Welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. My name is Rach J. I am your host and a coach and the founder of Core 30. And I'm really excited to get into today's episode. We have the lovely Emma Maidman with us today. Welcome, lovely. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. Um, So we'll do a little spiel just in case people don't know who you are, but Em is a yoga teacher. She is also the co-founder of Flow State Studios, the co-founder of Flow State's Retreats and the co-founder of Mindful Morning Collective. That's right, isn't it? Yes, yeah. correct. I was just reflecting on how we met. So obviously met in a yoga class and <laughs> I'm a bit of a sporadic yogi. So I don't, I don't do yoga that regularly, but I do drop into classes every now and then. And so I was doing some of your classes at Yoke Yoga in Melbourne. Um, and one of the things that I love about M and your classes, which I've talked to you about after classes is that you are just so authentic and the passion that you have for yoga is just so uh, evident when you bring that into your classes. And it's and as a, as a student, coming into a class and feeling that from you is just, um, it's such a, a wonderful and special gift that you give people in classes. So that's one of the things that I just absolutely love about you and your teaching, that you're just so meant to do what you do. It just is Oh, so thanks. <laughs> I think you actually said that to me at the end of the first class you came to. You were like, you were so meant to do this. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Because it's, you know, when you do um, classes, if you've been, you know, fitness classes or whatever, um, it's different in each class depending on the instructor. And and one yep. of the things that was so um, special about your class and is that it's it's just so evident that this this is just you're doing what you're meant to do, and it's just so lovely to be in that space. So, thanks, hun. You're welcome. That's kind of insane. Also, I was just thinking about when the last time we saw each other and do you recall when that was? God, it feels like a lifetime ago. It was a long time ago. So we were at... <laughs> I'm like, were we, were we at Combi? Like, we were at Combi and we were having a little chat skis about, you know, all of this stuff and I... It was summertime, yeah? Yeah, I think so. It was summertime. I feel like I was and warm. <laughs> we were warm and we were, you know, having our little smoothies or tea or whatever it was and uh, I do believe that we were, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like our chat was the seedlings of what is now Flow State Studios. Yes, yes. very much so. So I can't remember when that was, but it was a while ago. And I think, yeah, we, would, we were chatting about, um, we kind of like, you know, obviously come to classes a few times and then we were like, oh, let's like actually sit and have a chat. Yeah. And um, I was kind of sharing with you like, yeah, you know, I want to start putting out some online stuff. Not really sure what it looks like yet, but I've got all this travel coming up in 2020. So, you know, <laughs> i got two months in Bali. I'll film some stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about and, and find out from you how, you know, people, people find their way into different movement practices at different points of their lives and different different types of movement as well. So what, what was your journey into yoga? What kind of brought that about? So I first found yoga um, when I was about 15 at school. Um, and the reason why was because I hated all movement practices other than like dancing. Um, and so, you know, PE was like a mandatory subject. And um, 
there was a PE option to just go to the local gym when we got to like grade 10 or nine or 10 or something like that. And so I was like, cool, I'll just go and sit on the gym floor and talk to my friends. That sounds like a great PE activity. And then when we got there, the teachers were like, no, you can't just sit here and do nothing. You either have to like actually work out or do one of the classes. And I was like, oh God. (laughs) <laughs> and so I looked at the classes and I was like, I was so much more of a, I was a drama kid. I was like, put me on me a stage. <laughs> put me in a musical. I don't want to run around a sports field in these ugly shorts. Like, it's so, it's so funny. Like, you know, you're usually kind of one way or the other in, in school. I was like, you know, I was in the choir and the band and just loved all that stuff. So, yeah, so I saw this yoga class and I'm like, oh, yoga, that's like stretching. That That seems like the biggest bludge of all. And so I just kind of went in and... There was something about it. I remember kind of, you know, like there was, there was a few of us, you know, 14, 15-year-old girls kind of having a giggle at the teacher and it was gym yoga with like, an, you know, back in the day when most yoga teachers were in their 60s. And um, so it was like a bit of a laugh, but there was also something about it that I'm like, oh, this is, this is actually kind of cool. Like, I don't know, it just, it intrigued me. And so it sort of, from that moment on, it just kind of became, for the first few years anyway just a bit of a like a background noise like something I'd start so after I finished that PE program thing um I was like oh maybe I'll just go back to that class like once a week and a, and a girlfriend of mine and, and I would just kind of go you know once a week on a I can't remember what night it was but it was like a thing that we did and it's like oh this is this is kind of cool I like this but never really thought it would become something that I would you know pursue um or even dive into it was just yeah just like oh yeah this is like a nice once once a week thing and then um kind of as I got a lot older and then moved down to Melbourne to study I was studying public relations um I went through a really uh intense period of sickness I had a a nasty run-in with some parasites that sort of just destroyed my digestive system and went undiagnosed for about a year so it was a bit of a like disaster in the turn the sense of they obviously they kept dying every time I'd have the test and then they would come they they kind of move in cycles and just had a really negative experience with the more conventional medis, medical system and I'd always been someone that had tended to go back towards more of a natural healing and so through trial and error and so many different things found out which parasite and which bacterial infection I was dealing with um, and then you know, seek to repair a lot of the damage that I'd done to my gut. And then through that, kind of around a similar time, I'd come off the pill. And so then I discovered this underlying hormone imbalance. Of course. And so the pill hides of, lots of things, doesn't it? Oh, God, don't even <laughs> so many things. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Yeah. 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 Um, and so... During this whole process, I was kind of finishing my degree. I was doing three internships. I was a full-on type A psycho. You know, I was like, I'm going to be, you know, the boss of this. I'm going to be a CEO by the time I'm 25. This is my, you know. So I was kind of go, go, go. But in the background, I was still going to yoga maybe like three or four times a week, um, mainly because it was sort of the only way that I liked and could at the time move my body because I was so frail. I'd lost, I was about 42 kilos. Most of my hair had fallen out. Like I was just, I was mess it was really bad (laughs) and so then I got you know I started working and that enabled me to have more money to invest in um, more naturopaths and and health and stuff so my health started to improve a lot but I was working in public relations which by nature is very busy and stressful and fast-paced you know you're just on 24-7 and there was a part of me that thrived off that I loved that 
um, you know, constantly being on. And and um, I remember sitting in my naturopath's office one day, and this was probably about two years into my kind of healing journey. And she was also, a, she was um, completing her PhD in psychology at the time. And she just said to me, she's like, Em, it's been about two years we've been working together. Like we've got your gut under control, but my skin, I was like covered in really cystic acne. And she goes, um, I think you should get a hormone test. And also, um, do you think that you might be stressed? And I was like rocking in my chair, like, oh, I'm not stressed. I do yoga like three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those yogis that are yeah. <laughs> very calm and peaceful. Thanks very yeah, much. <laughs> like, I'm super zen. You know? Yeah. I think it's in my bedroom, you know. And so she, she, all she did was ask the question and it planted a seed. And I was like, total denial. And then I remember being in a yoga class and I would always hate the bit when they would meditate at the end. I'm like, oh God, hurry up. I don't want to sit here. And I started to become really aware of like, oh, I'm doing this yoga practice and I'm just like stretching and doing some push-up things. I'm not really, like, what, what is this that I'm doing? And so I started to kind of dive a bit deeper into meditation and the actual practice of yoga beyond just, you know, how can I touch my toes with more ease? And slowly unraveled, um, you know, so much within that. And it was about a, it was about a seven-year journey to completely repair my gut and to completely rebalance my hormones. It took about three years, um, and I did all of that naturally. And during that process, um, was you know part of that was doing my yoga teacher training and leaving my job. At first I did my yoga teacher training because it just, I started to notice the profound effect it was having on me and I just wanted to know more. So I was like, I'll just do this, you know, this training. I've got annual leave. I'll just do this. And then it was pretty clear um, doing my like prac classes and things on the course. I was actually did up in Byron Bay. I was like, firstly, I'm going to live up here one day. And secondly, like, I actually really enjoy teaching. Like maybe there's something in this. And so yeah, that sort of led me down that trajectory of, of quitting my job. And that was, yeah, about seven years, six, seven years oh, ago. Amazing. And it's so funny how, you know, it's through, sometimes it's through these moments where we are in, I guess, um, not an unhealthy state, but just we, we've come to a point where we've just kind of had enough, our bodies have had enough. And then this whatever movement practice it is and for you it's yoga finds finds you at that time and kind of helps you through a difficult period of time I find that that happens a lot with people in this space right we all have that journey of like from losing your health to suddenly realizing that your health is all you've got and without it and and for me as well like I would come home so anxious from my job I would be like literally just crying and just shaking with anxiety and my partner at the time used to be like can you just go for a run or do something to like then come home we can talk about it because I actually can't deal with your energy I was so anxious and so through yoga and actually having to kind of sit with myself and realize like who am I I'm not this is this who I want to be is this how I want to live my life um you know you kind of have those really divine insights into what do I value and, you know, how do I want this life to look? And it's, it's not being this anxious, anxious, stressed out human. Yeah. And I feel like um, that, that, you know, anxiety and, and those kinds of states are, are things that people experience all the time, but they come to, to 
you know, know it as being normal. So they just think that that's, that's just normal. That's a normal state you're supposed to be in. And particularly now during the COVID crisis, I feel like anxiety and depression Mm and those stress, you know, is, is more prevalent now. Um, And so I guess, you know, through yoga, meditation, there's not, you know, with yoga, of course, there's the physical part of it, but there's Mm -hmm. different parts to the practice. So, you know, what um, specifically, I guess, if you can break down the practice of how that can assist with people now who are experiencing, you know, higher levels of anxiety, of depression, uncertainty, how can the different, different areas of yoga assist with that kind of stuff? Totally. So um, yoga as a word means union and union in the sense or, or yoking. In Sanskrit, it's yuk, um, which means yuk. to yoke or to unify. And so that essentially means to unify your physical who I am in this body with the divine consciousness, that which is also what I am. And so it's kind of like the higher self and the smaller self um, coming together to have this moment of unity for you to really have this, uh, I guess, enlightened samadhi moment of like, whoa, I'm so much more than my body, than my thoughts, than my feelings. I'm this, I'm the universe, you know, and that's quite abstract in its, uh, by nature, but the practices of yoga, I mean, there's, there's many, many different paths. One of my teachers always says, you know, there's, we're climbing up the same mountain. We're just taking different paths to get there. And so there's, you know, there's huge lineages um, and, and many different paths to yoga. Yoga isn't necessarily a practice. It's a state of being. And we do practices to access that state of being. Um, so I guess the, the path that I follow more is, is an eight-limbed path. So there's kind of eight limbs on that tree um, and they sort of govern not only, um, you know, the asana is one eight. So the physical movements, the posture is asana. And then there's the breath is part of that. But then there's also kind of these different teachings that provide insight into to how you live your life. So for example, ahimsa meaning non-violence, non-harming, not in the sense of don't go out and kill someone, like also don't do that, but how are you harming yourself with your words? What is that internal dialogue um, that's coming out of your mouth or that you're directing inwards. Um, and so it's sort of, you know, we talk a lot about yoga being a journey to the self, through the self, and through this, these different practices of self-realisation, of being able to sit in meditation is, is another one of the limbs. Um, we access this place of samadhi, or there's, there's actually no word directly for it in English, but you can think of it as like pure bliss, pure consciousness, which is our birthright. That's, that's what we are. That's, that's our nature. There's, it, we just, we've forgotten. And so these practices are constantly, we just go on this journey of forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering until we have these moments where we remember that there's more. And I think that's particularly comforting. You know, I've, we, I notice this teaching classes every day during COVID is just sharing these little um, aspects of the yogic wisdom in that sense of, you know, nothing's happening to you, it's happening through you. And you can't, you've never been in control of what's happening in your external world. It's a complete illusion that you can control how your life will play out or that you can write a 10-year plan and stick to it and everything's going to come into fruition. Because as we're seeing now, as the world literally dissolves around us, 
We've never been in control. Um, the only thing that we can do is choose our response to a situation. So the exterior world will just kind of always do its thing and you choose how you show up, you choose how you respond to that. Yeah. And that's where I think this practice is super valuable um, in in, in particular times like this, is that people start to realise, firstly, you know, what am I defined by? Am I defined by the car that I drive or the job that I have or the house that I live in? And then when all that's taken away, who am I? What am I? I think people are used to kind of asking the question of maybe who am I? We all go on that like wanderlust, you know, gap year around the world to figure out who I am. But we don't often ask, what am I? And when you kind of drill that down, I think that's when you start to see, I guess, the, the bigger picture and that's where you can really find comfort within yourself of like, okay, all this stuff, all this material stuff is an illusion. You know, all this money that I have is just zeros in the bank account that could literally disappear into thin air. Yeah. Um, and if you're rigidly attached to that, then you will never be happy. So if you can let go of your rigid attachments, if you can start to, to realise that you are pure love, pure consciousness beneath all of that stuff, that's where you find happiness and abundance um, amidst the chaos. No matter what's going on around you, you have that, you, know, you go inwards and that's where the real, I guess, beauty is. And I hope, I, I see that a lot of people are starting to, to realise that, but I also see that a lot of people are really, really struggling. And it's really hard when you maybe don't have that understanding of the world and the world as you know it dissolves. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those really interesting times that I feel like, like you said, um, if you do have somewhat of an awareness of, of that part of yourself uh, to come back home, basically, that you mm. can find comfort in that. And, and I think a lot of people, if they hadn't really been able to stop, uh, this is forcing them to, to stop, essentially. It gets rid of all the distractions in your life. You might have been distracting yourself with work, with, you know, relationships, with all those kinds of things. But this now, this is happening, happening globally that, that we are forced to stop and, yeah. and check ourselves really and, and come back to who we really or what we really are, you know, yeah. which is... And what kind of a world do you want to live in? I think that's mm -hmm. the, the other question is like, it's clear that the way that we've been living is unsustainable. It's unsustainable for the planet. It's unsustainable for humanity. Um, and so regardless of why COVID has happened or how or, you know, all the different things around that, it's, it's more looking at, okay, well, how am I responding to it? What's important to me? And I think that's when you start to see people, you know, like I know the first wave in Melbourne, suddenly everyone's baking sourdough and, you know, <laughs> relishing in these, in these beautiful things that take forever. It took, like we made sourdough, it took like four days to build the starter and, do the, you know, like this whole process where normally you just, you know, duck down the local bakery and spend $7 on a loaf of bread and there you go. Yeah. yeah. So you start to kind of strip things back and, and it, and it almost feels like things are going backwards but in a positive way in that people are slowing down. There, there isn't the option to just go out and get everything you need. Suddenly you're like, okay, you know, maybe I'll start a herb garden. Maybe I'll have a garden. We've, we've just, you know, started a pretty amazing garden in our backyard. We have chickens coming on the weekend. Um, it's just, you know, this kind of shift. And, and 
I was reading a study the other day about a lot of young people that are um, that are moving out to kind of more country or rural areas and just gravitating more towards a simpler life. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with living in a city um, or that people shouldn't do that, but there's ways to do it that perhaps are more sustainable and more community-minded. Yeah. And I think that's the other benefit that I've seen, particularly of, of a yoga practice during this um, situation is people coming together. So there's something really cool that happens and it's like science, you can Google it. Um, it's something that's really cool that happens when we come together and we move and we breathe in synchronicity. Our heartbeats start to, to um, beat the same. They start to synchronise. And so we have members on Flow States that are all over the world and I think it's really cool when you get to the end of that class to be like, you're sitting in your living room in Melbourne and this lady over here is in Singapore and this other girl's in New Zealand and then here's someone from America and your heartbeats are, sorry, that's the microphone, your <laughs> heartbeats are all beating at the same rate. You know, you are connected through your humanity and that's profound to, to realise that you're not alone. Even though it's an inward journey, you're not doing it on your own. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too is it's finding that connection, uh, you know, like what you're saying, what you are because we what, what we are is essentially all the same, you know, and so finding that connection with with people, with, with the things that we, you know, I think are most important and true to ourselves is what people are coming to realise more during this period of time, which is it's actually, you know, I'm, I'm finding it's such a, a beautiful opportunity to, yeah. to go to those places, which is really nice. It totally is. But then on the flip side of that, I'm looking at the, you know, the suicide rates and the mental health um, statistics and data that are coming out. And, you know, people people are really struggling. I think I was chatting to someone today and they were saying that they've gone up, the, the suicide rates are like times three of what they normally are. Um, and that is, that is just, you know, firstly heartbreaking for someone to be in that place where they feel like they have no other option. Um, but also, like, to me, that feels like the real pandemic in the sense of how are we not as a society addressing this kind of elephant in the room? Um, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and actually looking after people. And, and if you kind of bring it back to well, what do people need? You know, people don't need fancy cars and huge mortgages. You know, they need love. They need food. They need shelter. Like all these kind of basic needs um, they need to feel connected. They need to feel like they belong. They need to feel like they're growing. And then we put people in isolation and they don't have those things. And so, of course, they're, they, they start to unravel in a really, a really negative way. And I think that, you know, I'm, I don't have the answers to that. I'm sort of I'm brainstorming and talking to a few people at the moment about what can we do to address this um, because I think, I think what you're doing though with with you know like with flow states and um, through yoga and then the, these are some of the tools that we know work yeah. you know or your pathway has worked for you and so I think one of the great things about being in this space the health and wellness space is being able to bring the stuff that we know works for us and yeah. try and reach as many people as possible because that is what is going to help because ultimately it is it is understanding yourself. It's an awareness about yourself, your mental state and being able to reduce, uh, you know, feelings of depression and anxiety comes mm -hmm. to how, what are the tools that we know 
that we can put in place ourselves to uh, facilitate, you know, living to the best that we can during this period of time. So, you know, you were saying with, with flow states, you're connecting with people around the world. This is one amazing thing that we have at the moment is, is technology to be able to connect with people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think what you're doing is amazing, you know, being able to reach more people. What you're doing, obviously, in, in live classes is amazing. And to be, to be able to, to have a broader reach, you know, is, is just, is incredible. And, um, and that, I mean, I feel like that's one of the things that you've been really good at anyways in your career is obviously your PR background has helped you with that, um, to be able to, to kind of build, essentially build businesses. Cause you're a bit of a, a budding wellness <laughs> entrepreneur really is, is what's happened. Cause obviously, uh, the mindful morning collective and, and flow states retreats happened before this, before studios, yeah. um, but kind of talk me through, you know, how your first business came to be. Because was it mindful? Was it Mindful Morning Collective? Was that the first um, one? I I guess so. So sort of how actually my first ever business. My mum reminded me of this the other day. I used to do my mum's friends ironing for them for like fifteen dollars a basket. And these ladies would totally jip me. They'd like fill their baskets up and then put a towel over the top. So they were like teeming. I was like, 15 bucks? Come on, lady. Anyway, so that's kind of how I started. And then I had like, I had a, you know, I went and picked some ladies' oranges and then I sold them. Like, I just have always had this kind of entrepreneurial mindset around things. Um, you know, I used to charge my parents to come and watch my dance show in the living room. And and then so I was working when I worked, um, well, what my, one of my kind of, I guess, uh, most exciting jobs working in PR. I worked for a company called 99 Designs, which was, an, which was a startup at the time, and they kind of got a, a Series A of like $35 million, uh, investment and just went boom. So in the with them for about two years, I got to see how startups work and how you can just have an idea and turn it into this global, you know, million-dollar company, like, oh, that's cool. And so that really, I guess, exposed me to the how. I was always good at the ideas um, and to do the marketing or the PR for them, but then actually seeing how that business went from just literally an idea that they tested in a chat room and then boom, now it's this huge global success. And that really inspired me and also taught me startup methodology, you know, of minimal viable product, of being lean and agile and kind of all these very wanky but also really relevant terms. Um, I loved working for them. I I learned so much. Um, And then when I decided to leave, I kind of booked a one-way ticket to Europe. And at the time, I didn't really have a plan. I had a pretty big savings. Um, I'd been saving kind of because I was pretty much sick the whole time that I was working for them. I wasn't really doing much on the weekends. So I was just hoarding all of my money. Um, And my partner at the time um, and I were like, screw it, let's just book a one-way ticket to Europe and see what happens. And so... We had this envisionment of like, oh, we'll like work on an organic farm and it'll be so great. And we're in Paris for six weeks and I'm like, I love it here. I never want to leave. And then we went to this organic farm. I lasted a week and I was like, get me the hell out of here. (laughs) This is not my vibe. They're killing chickens and like animals and I've got to work. And I just, yeah, it was a lovely idea in my head. But in reality, I was like, this is not what I meant to do with my life. It's not exactly where where I want to be right now. (laughs) Where I want to be. And so we actually, we found ourselves in Berlin and 
We moved back to, I promise there's a point to my story. We moved back to Berlin um, and we moved to Berlin in the middle of winter. We did this acro yoga immersion and met all these amazing Berliners. So thank God we had friends kind of instantly, um, which was really cool. And then suddenly we were kind of looking at, you know, we had, we had savings, but also when you watch your savings kind of go down, you're like, oh, I probably should get a job. And I still wasn't really clear on exactly. I knew I wanted to teach yoga. I didn't really know how I was going to do that. Um, and so, of course, a job comes up in the startup tech space and I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty good money. I'll just apply for it. So I applied for it and uh, I got it. Like I basically just found out where I'd worked and they were like, oh, you worked for them. They're amazing. You can have this job. And the same thing, it was, it was like this karmic loop. I came home again and I was just bawling my eyes out. I was so anxious. They were the, was the worst workplace. They were very misogynistic. But two of us, two women that worked, they were both, we ended up leaving. We were just like, we cannot deal. Um, it was really bad. And, but it was a lesson, yeah, of falling back into what's comfortable and what I knew and not believing in myself. And I remember one day I was sitting in a cafe. It was raining. No, it was snowing outside. It was freezing, minus 20 degrees. And a girlfriend said to me, she's like, what do you, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I would love to be able to consult to people um, and go in and help them and kind of teach yoga on the side. Um, but, you know, I've, I've only really been working in this industry for you know, about three-ish years and who's going to listen to me? And I need like at least 10 years experience. So I kind of have to suck it up. And she's like, no, you don't. Just do it. And that kind of, I guess, was the, again, it planted a seed. Uh, I probably should tell her that that had such an impact. Um, <laughs> and um, I was writing at the time, I, was do, I had a blog. I had this blog called Eatable that was all about, at the time, recovering from my parasites. I had so many food intolerances. So it was all about food intolerances. And that was kind of the first thing, you know, we started trying to monetize that. And that was mm. back before kind of before Instagram was really even a thing. This is like yeah. old This is when, when blogs were big. Yeah, blogging was big. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And so that taught me a lot about online content and how to start an online business. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, we didn't make much money out of it, but a little bit. And then it led me to guest blogging for this other um, a juice company in Melbourne. Um, and you know, I just went home after this meeting with my friend and wrote them and said, hey, um, you're paying me to write these blogs, but no offence, your website sucks and your blog post is like this tiny little picture with weird writing, like, no one's going to read that. Um, why don't I consult and help you? And the guy was like, cool, like, write me a pitch and let's see. And then I had to Google, like, how to write marketing pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Did it. And he was a client of mine for two years. And so during that period... Um, I ended up moving back to Australia and that was as right as the health and wellness scene in Melbourne. It was kind of when like Matcha Maiden and all those brands that are now huge were literally just starting out. And so I had this startup background and I was doing a lot of consulting. And what I found, particularly working with this particular juice company, was I would sit down with him to talk about strategy and stuff. And, and I, I became really clear in the moment, I was like, hey, I don't think that you want to be doing this business. Like you don't like people. Why are you running a company that relies on human interaction with customers? You hate your customers, but what you love is writing and marketing and creating products and recipes and, you know, photography. Like I actually don't think you're in alignment. And that was kind of this like moment when I realized 
wow, there's actually a way to bring my yoga philosophy and value-based living into marketing and business. And so I started this thing called Mindful Marketing. Um, And so that was, I guess, really the start. Uh, And I would run workshops and I do one-on-one consulting. And I worked with a bunch of businesses in the health and wellness space. And I, through that, I'd been teaching yoga in Europe and I just kind of taught yoga on the side. Never really thought it would be something. Again, it was like, it's what I always technically wanted to do, but I told myself that I should stay in my lane. Um, and, and so I was doing this mindful marketing thing and then I knew all these health and wellness businesses in Melbourne. I was really connected to them. And so then when I met Simon um, Digby, who owns, well, is a part owner in Greenfields, I got chatting to him and I, I was like, oh yeah, you should, you should meet this person. You should know that person. And um, he said, oh, we want to do this launch event. Um, you know, we want to, we want to basically position Greenfields as a wellness venue in Melbourne, even though we still do weddings and stuff. We want to, you know, what can we do? Do we have a yoga class on the weekend? And I said to him, I was like, why don't you just do like an event, call it like a mindful morning or something like that. Like think of a better name. And, uh, <laughs> I and, do, this is and do something like that. And he's like, that's actually really cool. And I was like, yeah, you know, like you could have a different yoga teacher every time, collaborate with all the studios in Melbourne so then you're not competing with them. I was very big mm-hmm. on still am collaboration, collaboration. over competition. Absolutely. And then, you, you know, we can bring in all these local brands and they can gift their products on the map so then they get exposure. And it, he was like, oh, I love it. And so we did one and it was jam-packed. And so he'd kind of, so he's like, I think this is a thing, Em. Like let's, let's make this uh, like a, a, its own events. And he worked in, I mean, for those that have not, not heard of Simon, he was a DJ back in the day and he owns a bunch Everyone of used to be a DJ back in the oh, day. Man. Don't you find so many DJs people DJs back space. in the day are what yoga teachers are now. Yes, you know? yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> You're either a DJ or a yoga teacher at some point in your life. Um, <laughs> so he kind of brought that experience of running events and things. Uh, and I'd had, I'd had, you know, through my PR career, I'd had some events experience as well. Mm. And so we ran that for four years. We were supposed to, we had a full year planned this year. Obviously that's not happening. Um, and then that really led into, I guess it, it, it gave me an outlet to be creative and to, to see something grow from a business kind of perspective, um, and yeah, and then from that, I started teaching a lot more yoga. And then that was kind of like, oh, I've always wanted to run a retreat, but, you know, X, Y, Z, all these excuses as to why I can't and why I'm not experienced enough or whatever. And then, you know, lo and behold, an opportunity arises. Now I start, well, did, still technically have a retreat business. When you're allowed to travel, it will when be. I'm a, allowed to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And so that happened and that's been going on for a couple of years. It started as ritual retreats um, with a, another friend of mine and then we've sort of transitioned it into flow states retreats when I met Tyson and we bring in, I guess, his more fitness background um, and we kind of do like a yoga surf and fitness retreat um, as part of that. So that's kind of, you know, it's a long-winded story as to how the journey businesses, into the journey into it. And I think that that's important to know because... So often it kind of feels like it's unrelatable when someone's like, yeah, I had this idea and then I just magically started this business. It's like, no, it actually took me quite a few years to A, back myself and then B, get to know the community and find the demand for those things. And 
start to start to be able to develop that ability to see something and then turn it into, you know, a business. Um, and I think which, too, a lot of people think that that um, you know when when they may see people in the space that are successful like yourself that it is just kind of like it just happened. But the thing is, there's always a journey before, you know, that whole thing about overnight success takes 20 years. I mean, you know, people will look at, at what you're doing now and go, oh my God, how, how you know, how can I do that? It, it just seems so easy for Em. And, you know, it's it's been the same for me. The journey is not is not just now, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that has happened prior to this, a lot of learnings, a lot of failures, a lot of things that have happened to be able to bring you to a space where everything kind of comes together. And when it does come together, it's so organic in the way that it flows. And that's when you know you've like, you're onto something. Yeah, totally. I mean, I always say this to my students, like you can never compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. No. And you never know the other parts, you know, like, no, often like don't even when we that had part. that, even when we had that conversation together at Combi, I was still like, mm. oh, I want to know about this online thing. Like I know I could intuitively feel it was a direction I was moving in, but I wasn't yeah. clear on, I was like, and you were like, oh, why don't you start, do this or do that? And I'm like, yeah, like, God, just. I was like, you I'm already like, have it, Em. You know what it is. You've got yeah. it. It's it's there. Just do it. Like, you got it. <laughs> you know, and, and it takes for me as well, it's, it always comes in that moment of clarity. And then, as you said, things flow. It's like you have that idea and then I sit with it and I'm like, yeah, this feels really right. And then I just start moving in the direction. I'm not someone that sits down and writes a six-year trajectory plan for a business or whatever. Like I have a, a rough plan and, and I'll crunch some numbers. Um, I'm not totally ignorant to that side of things, even though I don't like <laughs> that stuff. Yes. I hate spreadsheets. Um, but but it's it just aligns, as you said, it aligns when the timing is right and when it feels supported. You know, like I always, there's a saying in India um, if we, about the, the Ganga River, which is the kind of the main river that flows from the Himalayan mountains all the way down through India. And they say, if it's not flowing, then it's not Ganga. And I kind of interpret that to mean, you know, if if what you're doing is not in alignment it won't with nature, it won't be supported by nature. It won't flow. Um, it'll be stagnant, you know, like, and no one wants stagnant water from India. No. Um, <laughs> no, <definitely> <laughs> <not>. <laughs> you know, you kind of you kind of look at that and go, is this supported? Because I've done a lot of things in my life where I've literally been pushing shit uphill because I'm so attached to an idea or an outcome or an image and I just keep pushing and pushing. I'm like, this is so hard. Why isn't it working? And if I work harder, it'll, it'll you know, and you pour everything into it. And then you just realise, like, oh, I wasn't listening. There was no flow there. There was no um, energy. The energy surrounding it was just that. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things too, even with, even with business, and I know this is not, um, you know, what they would teach you specifically if you were to learn things about business. But I've always felt that moving through that space, but anything in life is is that uh, being able to connect to your intuition because that part of yeah. you will inform your thoughts and your beliefs and, and ultimately your actions moving forward. If it doesn't feel right, because there is that part of us that... And, and so often we just don't listen to that part. Like you, you have it and then for whatever reason you don't listen to it. But I just know that any time that I've made any decision or any action, if I've listened to my intuition, it is always the right direction. Even if it doesn't outwardly look the way that you think it was going to look, 
it just is always the, in the right direction if you listen to, to into your yeah. intuition. And, so. and that's that word, right, direction. Mm-hmm. I, I always think of it like move in the direction of what feels charming, what your intuition is telling you. But if you're rigidly attached to the outcome, that's when you end up pushing shit uphill. So I don't know if I can podcast sorry yeah you can you can I like swear all you want em it's um I'm I'm all for swearing <laughs> um you know and so you just you you feel into it I always feel into it and I go that feels really charming and like I'll sit with it rather than just going it's really charming I'm just gonna go do that thing and be really impulsive it's like okay this is coming up why is this coming up interesting still there huh now I met this person you know who so shares this thing. Oh, we could collaborate. And so you, you start to see that when you start putting it out there, you kind of start to become guided and then you go, cool, I'm, I'm actually going to shed some other stuff and move in this direction and just be really open to see where it takes me. And then, you know, I started moving in the direction of online content, not really having the intention of starting a completely virtual studio. And here we are. You know? Here we are. It just is all come into alignment. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I like, I do like to talk about, talking about swearing. So I'm going to swear now, guys, just FYI. Um, I like to talk about fuck-ups a lot uh, because for me, um, fucking up is one of the things that I love to do. Um, I think there's an art to fucking up because yeah. a lot of people I feel like are afraid of fucking up. Mm. Um, there's, there's fear around failure, failure, rejection, um, is, is things that we encounter in our lives all the time in different spaces, in business, in relationships, in any, any kind of area. And so I like to talk about this because, um, and expose them to expo- expose mm. my failures, expose my fears and rejections just to, I guess, show people that it's okay. We all experience it. And if we become mates with our failures and our fears and our rejections, it's just so much easier to start to move through things because they're the things that can block us from, from really living the life that we truly desire within us. So um, I, I'm curious to know what, your, what has been your greatest failure, your greatest fuck up? Um, there's been so many. <laughs> Um, there there isn't kind of like one moment where it was like my whole life turned to shit Um, it's probably been small incremental failures and kind of as I've been talking about before and they're all caused by moments of not listening to myself so moments of being really rigidly attached to an outcome and then uh, pushing forward in that direction and not, um, you know, not having that kind of perspective to just to take a step back and remove my ego from the situation. And funnily enough, yoga asana, the physical practice of yoga, has really taught me a lot about that. You know, there's been retreats I've run where I haven't done the numbers properly. So I've been you know, a little bit blasé and like, oh, it's all supported by the universe. Like, it's totally fine and it'll be great. And then I realised like, oh, shit, like I didn't realise this was in a different, in the wrong currency or I've undercharged this person. I've done that so many times. I've undercharged this. I haven't priced this properly. I've actually lost money on this. Damn it. Um, And that has kind of come through um, not you know, being diligent in the stuff that I don't like. So that's been a couple of failures and things that I've that I've learned. Um, this year, at the beginning of the year, really felt like a failure in the sense of 
you know, I'd set up, we had two international retreats and then we had two domestic retreats planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having to, to cancel all of that, it felt like I'd failed people as well um, because obviously, you know, deposits were lost and, you know, we've been able to credit people in certain things, but also I can't guarantee that we can run a retreat next year. Um, and so that's been a huge learning and lesson in, um, I guess it wasn't technically my fault <laughs> that COVID happened and we couldn't get on a plane. Um, but looking at, you know, the way in which we communicate that to people and being like, hey, how could we get better at that next time? Um, you know, so many times, even with mindful mornings, same thing, like me sort of doing my usual stick my head in the sand a little bit and be like, it'll all be fine. And then, you know, we we rely on having 70 people there and then we get there and we've only sold 25 tickets. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, shit, that sucks. Um, and as a whole, that, that event always, you know, drawed a huge crowd. And so I would kind of just rely on that. And then I'd you know, I take my foot off the accelerator for one or two events and then be like, oh, like that was a bit of a fail. You know, we didn't push this enough. We didn't get the date right. So yeah, I guess for me, I'm constantly failing and I feel like I'm pretty good at admitting um, when I am wrong and when I have stuffed up. And I think learning that you know, now working closely with my partner, who is also my business partner, um, of, of being like, oh, yeah, like I stuffed up. Like I do things every I'm – a, I'm a writer, yeah. I do a lot of writing in media and I always spell meditation wrong. Um, my partner's like, don't be one of those people that teaches meditation and spells it mediation. And the amount of emails that I've sent out being like, come to our mediation course. <laughs> <laughs> I've done stupid shit like that too. One failure that actually turned out to be, I'm just thinking of this as a great example. Um, I ran an event called Namaste, which was a Beyonce yoga event. And I, um, I tried to get fancy with my email system and have all these automated systems set up for my retreats so that when you booked a retreat, it's then sent you this email and that email. And I was like, great. And so then I went to send an email to all these Namaste people saying, we raised X amount of dollars, like how good. But then I accidentally added them to the wrong list and they all got triggered off an email saying, thanks for paying your deposit. We can't wait to see you in Bali. And so like over 150 people (laughs) were suddenly, and most of them didn't reply. And then some people were like, oh my God, did I just accidentally buy a retreat to Bali? Like (laughs) I can't afford to and like... I was like, oh no, I've done that too. I've done that too. People, and then they were, then they're just all confused. And so I just thought, oh, do I individually write bad? And I was like, nah, own it. So then I just literally sent her like, oops, I stuffed up. Yeah, you didn't book a trip to Bali. However, if you do want to come, and then two people booked. <laughs> Sometimes it happens for a reason. These fuck-ups happen for a reason sometimes. That happened to me recently, actually, like this whole, I was doing the back end of Core 30 and um, all of these old orders, like from the past 12 months, right, this system started sending out, um, I triggered it, but but the system started sending out all these like, thanks for your order from September 2019. Right. But they went out to all these people that had, had um already done core 30. Thanks for your order. And then I had to send out another email and say, I'm so sorry. I totally fucked up. Like you haven't purchased it again. (laughs) It was just my total stuff up. So I think like owning your failures is, is, you know, part of the process, but it's, um, it's very liberating. 
you know, yeah. to be able to go, I, I fucked up. I don't know everything. Like I do make mistakes. I'm human, you know, yeah. and for people to to be able to connect with you, this is this is part of the reason why I think like your authenticity shows through because to be able to be in this space, hold space for people, lead people, you need yeah. to be able to not only show up and hold space but be able to show that, look, I'm a human, like I, I do shit that humans do like all the time (laughs) come to my mediation course and you know you'll get charged for bali and a retreat you know (laughs) um and and, (laughs) oops but that's what makes you know uh you as a person and as um a leader in this space uh so um authentic and you know I I just feel that that's that's one of your specialities and your your specialness around you is is that well authenticity is also one of my core values and so you know I I try to live into that as much as I can um in the sense of sharing all aspects of of yeah what it means to be human and I've, I've done it before I've been doing a story on Instagram and I'm like oh there's something in my tooth great and then I think should I delete that and refilm it I'm like no that's fine just there we go. Just Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And people love it because they go, oh, you know, you know, you weren't trying to fabricate that moment in any way. You're just mm. talking about the stuff that comes out of your life. I did this great video as for promotion for my Namas Bay event where I was like dancing to Beyonce and like had, had this song that was like perfectly timed with the words to match what I wanted to say, posted it and everyone was like, there's no sound on this video. And I'm like... Shit! You missed like that. That was like that was genius content. Gone. So I was like, okay, obviously that that was lost. But hey, come to this event. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so yeah, I guess failure for me is is a is a daily practice. <laughs> it's a daily practice, and I think it, it's just more. I think I think people more struggle with the fact of becoming friends with it, becoming mates yeah. with it, and and being okay with that. So I think you're a, a beautiful example of of how to do that. And I think, um, you know, that really shows in all your work. So, you know, I'm so grateful to have you, have had you on the podcast. Um, and it's so nice to catch up with you even, you know, since we haven't seen each other for a while. You can find M on IG at Emmamademan underscore and also at Flow State Studios. And if you do want to check out her website, emmamademan.com and flowstatestudios.com. Um, and if you did like this episode, which I'm sure you all loved, um, make sure you screenshot this ep and share it to your stories. Um, and again, thank you so much for joining me, Em. I am so grateful for your time and love your work and love everything that you do. And um I hope that you guys all found a lot of value in uh, this little chat with Em. So thanks so much for joining me, guys, on this episode of the Rate Active Podcast, and I will catch you next time. 